Ladies and gentlemen, what a guest we have with us today. Uh, this player has represented his country for both test and one-day formats. He's got over 500 first-class wickets. He's won seven titles, three county championships, two T20s, two one-day cups. He is a Surrey and Warwickshire legend, the king of Guildford, Ricky Clark. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Rick. King of Guildford. All right, that's how are we? All good, mate. All good. Thank you um, for inviting me. Bit, um, bit greedy with your trophies, are you? Ah, you know, just uh, could have won more, but a few, to finals, to a few finals went the other way. <laughs> yeah, I right. left them off the intro. Don't worry, it's all good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Quick five questions, mate. Just start off, we've got five questions. So, would you rather ex have an extra five mile an hour of pace or an extra six inches of bounce? Uh, back of than slowy. Oh no, actually, sorry. Answer that first. Oh, what we talking about five now? Five miles. Five minutes. <laughs> minute quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go again. Extra five mile an hour of pace or six inches of extra bounce. Five miles an hour of extra pace. Yeah. Back of than slowy or knuckleball. Backhand slowy. Swing or nip. Oh, swing. Good bouncer or good Yorker? Good Yorker. Round the wicket or over the wicket? Over the wicket. Are your thoughts there, Rocky? Well, clearly Clarkie's Clarkie's massive. So I actually went on your Wikipedia and it said you're six foot four. But I thought you're taller than that, aren't you? Well, if that's sort of I, I say six four, I'm actually just shy of six five. But So that's why you pick pace. It's, it's it's not yeah so it's not like a great thing is it like when you you say your, your height oh, I'm I'm nearly six five so I just <laughs> I rounded it down you know it's like shoe sizes when someone's like what size size feet are you well I'm nearly an eleven but you know okay you're a ten mate that's what I'm just if you're nearly eleven you're a ten or a ten and a half so with that um yeah I said six four but I'm I'm probably closer to six five so that's why okay. I went at an extra pace because I can right. hope to get the bounce. What what were the other yeah, I, that was what I thought. What were the other ones there? Did you back of the end, slowy? Um, rather than knuckleball. Only on on the basis of I sort of had a lot of success with the backhand slowy. So that's sort of like my go to. Um don't get me wrong, like you would like any sort of delivery and more sort of strings to the bow. Um you look at someone like a Benny Howe and and, and stuff like that has had lots of success with a knuckleball and um, Adam Hollyoak years ago used to have like the, the split finger and knuckleball that brought him a lot of it success as well at Surrey. So they're all like decent deliveries, but yeah, I went back in the hand slowly. And just the last one with swing or nip, what did you say again? Uh, uh, I said swing. So again, it's just because of the sort of success I had. But again, you look at nip, like both of you lads can, can nip it and stuff like that. You look at a Rushworth, nipped it. So, but I always just felt if I had the ball swinging, I was a lot more dangerous, so I just went with the the one I felt more comfortable with. I thought your most comfortable was when you went at Forcery. No. <laughs> <laughs> you love that job, didn't you? Yeah. That was an absolute... I've got loads of stick for that sometimes as well. You think, oh, <laughs> I didn't nickname myself the Enforcer, but <laughs> some of the pitches are so placid, and you're like, well, what's going to happen here? And you get thrown the ball and I need you to steam in and make something happen. It's like, okay, so I'll be on the injury injury list for the next couple of weeks after this, thanks. 
I think um, in all in all seriousness, you've got so many uh, good attributes and good qualities that you were able. The captain was able to ask you to do a number of different roles. Like I think you you opened the bowling in T20, for example. You bowled at the death. You bowled through the middle. You've gone enforcer in Red Bull cricket. You've opened the bowling in Red Bull cricket. You've been a guy who get thrown the ball thrown at him to get a wicket out of nowhere. Equally, you were a guy who held his length really well, so he'd use you to bowl through to the keeper and dry the scoreboard up. I think you're, yeah, do you know what I mean? You're a victim of your own success, mate, to be fair. <laughs> Where do I send the check? <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm it nice because I might want you on again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, oh, if you want me on again, take that shirt off. <laughs> yeah, I'm squeezing into it. But those, yeah. those who are listening, it's a it's a very tight fitted Arsenal shirt. Yeah, um, it's my son's Arsenal shirt. It's the bright yellow one. It's a it's a pretty a pretty rogue kit actually, to be fair. But I thought you'd appreciate it being a Tottenham fan. Right? Yeah, um, so I think Keith and I we thought about some questions to ask you and stuff. Um, and obviously we don't want this to be too formal because obviously we we're all good friends and we go back a long way. But we wanted to sort of find out about your early career at Surrey because that you kind of exploded onto the scene and stuff. Um, and obviously this is a sort of bowling centric podcast. So how much bowling were you doing in your early career? And what sort of bowler were you? Oh, I think when you look back from when, so we're going back to early sort of 2000. So I remember um, I was probably selected more as, as a batter who could bowl. But the Surrey lineup, you looked like it was just star-studded. I think we had back back then we had something like four or five, I think, internationals not getting into the starting eleven. Okay, so to be actually playing in that starting eleven was obviously a, a massive sort of achievement for me, being such a young age. The first sort of first class season in uh, two thousand and two did really well, and then went on um, tour to ICC Champions Trophy with England after a first sort of full season. Then with that sort of 2003, I was bowling more for England than I was with Surrey. Um, and it was oh, just wow. the case, yeah, because you, you look at it, we had the likes of Martin Bicknell, Asim Mood, Jimmy Ormond, Ed Giddens, um, Sackley Mushtak, Ian Salisbury, that uh, you probably chuck a couple of others, uh, Alex Tudor. So you look at all these, like, so I was never really going to get the ball. And it was always a case of if I did get the ball back then, I I actually did bowl quick, you know, um, early 90s and, and just used to steam in. And and that, that was a case where I was used as a strike bowler. I remember a couple of times I'd get thrown the ball and it'd be like, look, nothing can happen you know, at the moment we can't get a wicket or nothing's happening, sorry, can't get a wicket. You've got four or five overs, steam in, get the wicket, and then we get the the lads who, you know, can hold a length and, and be tight, create the pressure again um, and, and try and build the pressure that way. So I was always used as a strike bowler. So I'd leak runs, um, but obviously we'd, we'd get wickets. And um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the, the, the case of where I was at. And there was sort of spells sometimes where I'd, I'd be economical and, and bowl nicely and bowl long spells and stuff like that. But as a whole, it was always, you know, there was other people to go to first rather than me. Interesting. Um, with that, obviously, I came across you when you were at Derby um, and you 
faced a young spring chicken left-handed batter, left-arm bowler who uh, I think pulled you for six, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and you couldn't flick off your helmet. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, when you um, when you moved to Warwickshire, for me, like quite, it was quite interesting when you joined. I don't remember you bowling that much um, when you first came in. I got to Warwickshire eventually, and it was yeah. a case of uh, Graham Welsh and um, Ashley Giles and, and um, Jim Troughton that sort of saved my career. And I remember Graham well saying to me, like, what do you want to do? What bowler do you want to be? And I said, well, I, I want to be a bowler that bowls overs. I want to be a genuine all-rounder. Yeah. Um, because sort of for England, those early years, I was a genuine all-rounder. Yeah. Play, I play one-day internationals. I bowl eight, nine, ten overs sometimes. I go on England A-tours and bowl ten overs um, in a 50-over match and stuff like that. Um, it was just, it was really sort of weird that, you know, county cricket wasn't, really for me in the bowling um sense so um he said look let's work hard i said okay what do you want me to do he said right let's think of a plan and i remember it started off i reckon i think it was down in canterbury where he said right i'll see you out here 8 30 tomorrow morning i was like okay and then we did 8 30 every morning without fail for literally year after year after year every day um, every game, if it was home or away, Ashley Giles sort of got a hold of me and said, right, your time management, you're an all-rounder, you need to get your batting in, you need to get your bowling done with, with um, Pop, um, and then um, go get your catches in the, in the slips as well. So it's all about your time management. Um, and that's how it sort of went from there. I was out just trying to basically aim at a tea towel, basically, type thing. Yeah. I used to put the, the, the markers down, didn't we, and stuff, and i just aim at that, try and hit top of off and just didn't bother changing and it was just got more confident and then it was a case of you know when the captain turns to you you just do that and then you build up that sort of confidence and um, reliability for the captain and you'll just keep on bowling overs and next thing you know it was yeah i was like we will you look at the success we had as a a bowling unit with with you two chris wokes boyd ranking jeet mattel me as well. It's just fantastic. Really, it, it was really good times. It was because we all knew what we needed to do, and we were highly skilled at it. And that was that was through hard work from everyone. And um, you know, I don't want to big him up too much, but from my point of view, how Graham Welsh hasn't been involved in a England tracksuit as a bowling coach more often or permanently is uh, beyond me, really. But um, I'm sure his time will come. Um. So just quickly then, on all of that, was there no kind of guidance when you were at Surrey? <laughs> Jokes aside, I remember they said, look, Martin Bicknell, 1,000 first-class wickets, he knows what he's doing. He could literally put 50p piece down and, and hit that. You know, you need to watch what he does and copy what he does. Now, the funny thing was, I was obviously a lot younger and Bickers was a, a lot older and he sort of knew his game. So where I was probably naive or potentially a little bit thick, they say copy what Bickers does. So one morning, Bickers come out for a um, uh, a warm up. Literally went out, looked at the wicket, went back in, grabbed the newspaper, and had a cup of coffee. <laughs> Who's next to him reading the paper, having a cup of coffee? Me. <laughs> I was like, they told me to like watch what he does, and that's exactly what I did. Um, but it was it was always a case of you know, 
I think it was a stage where at Surrey, I knew that I wasn't going to bowl a lot. So I focused on all my energy on other aspects of my game. Um, and that was obviously the batting side of it. And that's why I, you know, I'd score hundreds and stuff like that. Um, but it was always a case of to be a genuine all-rounder, I needed to be able to do both. Um, and that's when I said, you know, when I got to Warwickshire, um, I, I had better sort of time management of what I needed to do to make sure I was covering all bases. Um, yeah, I, I'm loving these these sort of old stories you're telling. This is this is class. And actually, you mentioned England a minute ago and how you bowl more for England. I've been on Wikipedia, as I let you know earlier. The England attack that you were part of in, on your debut, can you remember it? Because I've got it written down. Because it's My a good attack. Debut, I reckon it was Hoggard, Harmison, Giles, and I can't remember if Saggers or Richard Johnson was playing. No, no. You're a little bit off there, I think, mate. Yeah, what? you're way you're way off. You're way What's off. Debut in Bangladesh. Oh, I'm talking one your one day debut against Pakistan. Sorry. Oh, one, oh uh, Old, Old Trafford. Yes. So Old Trafford, who would have been part of that? That would have been Darren Goff. Yeah. Flintoff. Yep. Jimmy. Jimmy Anderson. Yep. Trying to think who else. Anthony McGrath, I think he was in there as well, didn't he? Anthony McGrath. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. And there's another seaman I'm missing that might <laughs> have been. Is this a joke or not? No, come on, who's the seaman? What do you mean, is this a joke? Who's the seaman? Ashley Giles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it Gilo? I thought I was yeah. missing the seaman. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, Yes, yeah, so that's that's some attack that, like, in all seriousness. Um, did you you tell a good story, don't you? About did you face Shoaib and Mohammed Sami in that game, bowling rapid at you? So not in that actual game, because that actual game, I got a wicket with my first ball in international cricket, and at the time it was only there was only something like seven or eight people who have ever done that in the in the history of the game for for England, and one was Jeff Arnold. You remember Jeff Arnold, horse? Yeah, who was yep. um, obviously a bowling coach at, at Surrey and stuff, and and, and Northamptonshire and, and Essex. So. Um, yeah, that was that was quite handy. But I remember um, there was a game at Sapphire Gardens. It was, and um, Shoaib Attar was was bowling. And he, oh, it was frightening because, like, when you stand, stood at the other end, have you ever faced Shoaib before? No, thankfully no. not. God, no. Yeah, thankfully not. So you literally stood at the other end. You you know you're 22 yards away, and he's literally 80 yards away because his run up was massive. <laughs> So you literally stand there and go, right, okay, come on, get yourself psyched up. You know he's bowling quick, but really get yourself psyched up. And then you tap and stuff, and then and you're you're there, you're getting ready. And this long run-up starts, like he's like he's gonna like throw a javelin or something. And, you know, you know, the crowd are going and everything like that. And the longer it takes because of his, his long run-up, the more faults will go through your head. <laughs> <laughs> so you're standing you're like, right, get that out of there, get that out of there, and stuff like that. And I remember him bowling the ball. At Sapphire Garden, and I'm not even joking when I say this. All I heard was it slap into the middle of the wicket, and then after that, I didn't see it. I just heard it whistle, sort of like past my nose, and I just, as I heard it slap, I just sort of like a like a turtle. I sort of poked my head <laughs> into my shoulders and heard it go whistling past, and I was like, "Oh my god, what am I doing here? I'm so out of my depth." 
turnaround and um I think it was Moe Moeen Khan was on the 30 yard circle taking it right above his head and I was like oh my days and you should have the NatWest um speed guns right in the corner on the big screens which we sort of still do now don't they and I mean looking up and seeing it as 94.3 miles an hour and I was like oh my god I was like, please just bowl the stumps and get me out of here. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's serious. That's serious yeah. pace. It was, it was serious pace. Um, but it, it was entertainment. You know what I mean? I think anyone that bowls fast, um, it, it's just entertainment. It gets the crowd going. And, and um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't fun to be down there 22 yards away. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, going, flipping back to you and um, um, your move to Warwickshire then. So, do you credit all of your success to lots of hard work and target bowling in the mornings? Yeah, I, I, I really do. I, I think look, my career panned out the way it did. Okay, people said I should have played for England more in you know Test cricket and One Day Internationals. Fact of matter matter is I didn't. If I had had that guidance, I believe early stages with a, with a pop Welsh for, for the bowling side of things. Um, I think I probably would have played a lot more because I would have been economical. And also back then, as I said before, I was, I was quick. Um, so even, you know, just coming down a few miles an hour to, to make sure that I got that sort of control and could still move the ball. Um, yeah, I think I would have, I would have um, been a lot more successful international level potentially, but that's my, my, sort of genuine thought with that. Um, but we all know that, you know, cricket can be quite savage. So um, it's a case of what you do at the time and and can you sort of, you know, get your, your skills right at an early age. And, and you look at so many different players that do that now. So just on that, Rick, you um, say you'd have taken a few extra mile an hour off to get your areas as such. We've noticed there's a lot of pushing for pace just your random coaches across the world that like promote pace, not done much in the game or haven't even played the game, but tell and teach people how to bowl quick. But we find just from playing that obviously you want you need to be accurate, don't you? I mean, this this episode is pretty much about you and your economy as well and how good you were in all formats with your economy. And just to see you think that actually hitting your area is very important as well. As a, if you got pace, great, but you need to be accurate. Massively, I, you know, from, from the way you look at everything, a lot of the most successful bowlers. Don't get me wrong; some quick bowlers can maybe sort of knock over a towel every now and then. But batters nowadays are used to pace. You know, you've got so many different things that you can use and bowling machines and um, different sort of skill levels that the, the batters have. Um, but the one thing that hasn't changed and will never change is a good line and length that has been around for years. Um, and I, I don't believe that, you know, the pace is um, in, important, really. You know, you, you can look at so many different um, county cricketers that haven't got a lot of pace, bash a line and length and pick up wickets for fun. Now, some people might say, oh, yeah, but the county pitches, oh, they're a lot greener or using a Duke's ball or they're bowling in April. I don't really sort of check for that too much because at the same point, you're seeing runs being scored on these pitches as well. Um, so I think, you know, if you put a ball in a, a, a good area, you're going to create a lot of pressure. 
Um, and then when you create pressure, that's how you're going to get your wickets. If you're leaking because you're bowling a long half or because you're striving for that extra miles an hour, you know, there's no pressure building at all. We And, and you know, we used to have it with, with Graham Welsh as well. If it took all day, it took all day. But we, we have no let up and we just bash that area consistently. Um, and, and we were at all different paces as well. Um, you know, you had righty sometimes getting the old one-twos on people, like hitting them in the head and then following mm-hmm. up with a pacey Yorker. Um, you used to get left-handers out for fun, or anyone out for fun, but mainly left-handers because they'd be sort of trembling knowing that they're going to nick you. And, you know, my sort of role was just be boring, basically, and just bash away constantly. I think a lot of the time, bowling to a right-hander, I could say there's lots of times I'd bowl, say, more than 20 overs in a day or an innings or something like that. And I'd probably say out of those deliveries, maybe one or two might have been something different. If it's a right-hander, left-hander obviously had different sort of skills that I wanted to bowl. But for to a right-hander, I'd very rarely look to sort of do a massive innie or I'd, if I, if it was, it'd be earning the right. I just wanted to be boring and just um, take the ball away as much as possible. So the, this is really interesting. And uh, we're obviously having a lot of fun and we're telling a lot of stories here. But our listeners, we want to give them something to take away, right? And you, yep. you've said areas non-stop that's been the key thing that you've spoken about so yep. when you say that what exactly do you mean well for someone who, for someone who's up and coming you know like a young no, young up and, coming, yeah, up and coming it's all about your line and your line and length basically um so you know i do it at the school now that i'm head of cricket at and we have the the blue targets we put it on top of the stumps um for right-handers um top of the off stump for right-hander top of um off stump for a left-hander as well and then we put down cones um in an area and it's, it's basically just repetition can you hit that area consistently okay and and, and don't get me wrong it's brilliant because some of the, the the pupils that we have and some, even with my cricket academy some of them are like i want to bowl this i want to bowl that and i'm like look we will get there but there's no point being able to bowl a wobble seam or an in swinger and stuff like that if you can't hit a consistent area you know and there's no point having these skills that you, you want straight away because you need to be able to bowl a stop delivery. Um, and, and that's what we sort of, because, you know, cricket is evolving so quickly that young youngsters nowadays, they see what is going on and they just want to be there straight away. And I think that's the case now where it, it's, you have to go back to basics. And I think sometimes cricket did go away from basics a lot. Um, and, and that's what we, we, we try and do with, with my academy. And that's how I sort of coach as well with my pupils at school, that let's just try and get used to basics, bashing an area, being boring, and then we can go on to the next stuff. So with your, um, you, you like Wright said early on, you had various roles in, in, our, in the bowling unit that we had at Warwickshire. What did you see your ideal role being? Just because I, I don't think there's a lot of even young players coming through county levels that understand what type of ball they are and sometimes can be trying to be someone they're, they're never going to be. Yeah. What, what, well, what advice would you give them and what advice would you have given yourself back then to where you ended up being? I, I think the advice I'll give is what bowler do you want to be? First and foremost, you have to have that, that clarity of what you want to do in a game of cricket. Do you want to be someone that constantly takes wickets and you don't mind going for runs? Fair enough, you're a strike bowler. 
do you want to be someone that's got all the skills and you just, you know, Jimmy Anderson, all the skills. But again, but what people forget is Jimmy's got all those skills, but he still can nail a stop delivery with all those skills. So he can bash a line length with a wobble seam. He can push it across the left hand, left hander. Um, again, bashing a line and length and shape it away in swing. He's covered all those skills, and that's taken him. If you if you speak to him, it's taken him a long time to get there. Okay, he didn't just go. Oh, I'm just going to do this and do this and and not practice it. He practiced constantly. But the one thing he did do, because again, people forget. People look at Jimmy now and go, Oh, you know mid-80s or early 80s, he used to bowl quick. Back in 2002, he was, again, 90-mile-an-hour bowler, rapid. But he wouldn't have had the same consistency of line and length back then. Because Again, and that's, that's fair enough because he was a lot younger. Um, but the one thing he did over, over the years was he learned to bash a line and length. And the one thing that I suppose a, a lot of youngsters listening to this or anyone in club cricket or even county cricket that they're starting off in in their careers, that you have to practice. You have to have a purpose of what what you're going to practice and why you're practicing it, okay? And then it's not a case of, oh, that session went well that day, and then you go on to something else the next day. You come back and you go again, okay? And I, I sort of alluded to riding a bike. You know, you have to sort of get on the bike, fall off a couple of times. It won't be perfect. You know, when you're we're young, we have stabilizers and stuff like that. Stabilizers come off. It's a little bit wobbly. You fall off a couple of times. Next thing you know, you're riding a bike and it's like, it's just repetition. You do, It just instantly happens. And bowling's similar. You know, you're, you're going to have a few deliveries when you're trying to work on skills and trying to work on your line and length and it's not quite coming out right, but keep going, keep going. And, and, and one thing you need to make sure is that you're, as I said, you're practicing with a purpose. And, um, you know, f- from my point of view, that helped me massively with, with Graham Welsh to make sure that I was doing what I needed to do day in, day out. Well, one thing for sure is I won't be asking Jimmy Anderson, mate. Me and him still got beef in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. <laughs> I, missed, I missed that. What actually happened? Uh, I was waiting for him. No, no, no. That's 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 on another episode, mate. When we talk about like body language and all that stuff. Are you allowed Pepsi on your your podcast? You are pro, Rick. Some product placement there. Love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we allowed yeah. that. Other carbonated uh, fizzy drinks are available. <laughs> um, can I? I mean, Keith, Keith, you look like you've got a question there. So I think you asked this one, I, I, and I know I want to. I just remembered something actually. I just remember that I played against. A few teammates and you two have got me out. I'm not happy with that. And I haven't got either of you out. And you've retired, so that's annoying. Uh, so I can't get you back. Let me tell you. <laughs> and you and you just keep sticking around in div two, so you're hiding. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, that's hurt him. Cut him deep. <laughs> well, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, right, again, so some great, great advice and chat there around areas and being consistent and stuff. So, shall we move on to your back of the hand slower ball, which is Keith Julie's probably the best that we've seen? Uh, yeah, I'd say definitely the best I've seen. I mean, I know, Rick, you have done, I think you spoke about the Jade's back of the hand, but still for me, yours was just that bit better, mate. What, what, when did you learn it? How did you learn it? And what advice have you got? <laughs> 
Well, it started off. At, remember um, Ian Harvey, who was yeah. at Gloucestershire and stuff, and I remember seeing um, he had it, and I just felt that if I could actually ha- get a better, I always wanted a decent slower ball. And the amount of times that I would sort of look for a cutter, and I, for some reason, I just couldn't get the motion that I wanted with a cutter. So I was like, I need something different. Um, how am I going to work on it? What am I going to do? And it's it, basically, I saw Ian Harvey and I was like, right, he has a lot of success with that. Let's work on that. And and just instantly, I just went and, and worked on the back of the hand slowly. Um, spoke with coaches of, of how to do it and what I was doing wrong at times. And then again, like you have to try and figure out yourself what's going wrong. Um, with the back and hand slow, it's massively important that you commit to it and you bowl the ball. There's so many times when I first started, I was just trying to place it in an area that I wanted it to be and it would drag down and bounce about three, four times. There was another one where it would go over the top of the net and stuff. But again, that's the whole point. You have to be... Anything you do, and this is any walks of life, but particularly with, with bowling and, and cricket, you have to be prepared to fail to progress. Because if you're not failing, it means you're not trying to develop your game. Okay, and, and again, that's something I, I when I coach, that's the one thing I, I, I sort of really push on to the, the, the younger generation is if you're trying something different and it's not working, you're going to progress because you're trying to get better. You're trying to develop and get better. Um, but the backhand slow was something that I always felt that was just one of those things that had a lot of success. I think on the basis of I was lucky because we, we spoke about my height um, earlier on in the in the show. And with my height, it allowed me to get my wrist position like it was a normal delivery. People never really saw the back of my hand flick over. They always just thought it was the two fingers and thumb and it was a normal delivery. And that's where I used to do people a lot. Um, but it was always a case of, of, of practice again. Your your action, for anyone who's seen you, um, you you're bound and the rhythm of your action helps disguise it, definitely. Um, whereas, yeah, that's not the case with quite a lot of people, I find. Um, yeah, you have that lovely bound and that flow. And like you say, maybe that extra bit of height made it really hard to to pick up um but keith and i yeah both big fans of that ball and in terms of in terms of that ball what you've said there about feeling like you commit and bowl it are there any other cues that you can divulge well i think again this is more sort of game management You, you have to look at the scenario of what's happening in the game what boundary have you got one side because sometimes it might you might have a a short boundary one side to the leg side and you're thinking okay look I need to bowl this because I'm getting lined up, bowling my normal delivery. The Yorker's not quite happening. And the Yorker for me was never, like as you two um, sort of will know and, and stuff, that the Yorker was never something that I could consistently get right. So I'd always, regardless of certain scenarios, I'd always go to the back of the hand slowly and get my success from, from that delivery. Um, but again, it, it's understanding that, right, okay, if I've got a... a small boundary on the leg side uh, to a right-hander, I'm going to have to make sure that I get it slightly wider because they're going to try and drag it and then that's how you get it up in the air. Where if you've got a big boundary, you can still go go towards the stumps and and try and make them sort of um, miss across the line. Um, but it was always a case of make sure, literally, right, it, it, was, it was commit. It was understand at the top of your mark what you're going to be delivering and commit to it. 
Um, and it's always making making sure for me that if I could get that dip into a good good length, it's still a good length as well. It wasn't sort of floaty and going up because when you go a good length, the hands of a batter is always going to be coming through ready to, to strike the ball. If it's a little bit fuller, it's easier for them to slow their hands down and, and then sort of still launch you. So it was always make, making sure that, that length was back a bit. Um, so it was, yeah, definitely the, the one thing I'd say is, is committing to it. I um, learned a very valuable lesson from you, Rick. Um, it's pre-season away. Um, just you mentioned mentioning about Yorkers, about you weren't, it wasn't your go-to. You remember um, Lakash Tahir getting that ball still going from Nurse um, in a one-day game? Oh, in Barbados? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, were, you then came on to bowl and I think we were that fearful of, uh, what was his, his name was Nurse, wasn't it? Um, Nurse, yeah. Yeah. Of just a big bat swing you know, quite a big, stocky bloke. Um, and me and Jim Tratton told you, you've got to go Yorker just because, like anything else, you're going to go, you're going to go the distance. That's what it seemed. Uh, and you were adamant you wanted to go back of band slowly, which was your strength, but you got talked out of it. And he probably took you down, not as much as what he did Naki, but he took, took you and everyone else down. Um, and I think it, it was a valuable lesson. And you actually really, as you, you were, you were quite, honest and open with your opinions um you you openly said that's not my strength you should have gone to your strength and i think it's a valuable lesson for anyone listening that you know even though things can be going wrong for other people you've got to go to your strengths first um, and back yourself and commit to what you do best rather than just kind of listening to others because end of the day you're bowling it it's it's on you and yeah you weren't happy because you went true to yourself. You actually ended up listening for first over, definitely to yeah. what we were saying. Um, and just, it's really important, isn't it, of making sure you're clear on what you think is best for that situation, not what others others think. Well, I, th- I think again, you, you look at. We were very fortunate enough to have um, all the sort of cricks that and the analysis and, and looking at players and, and stuff like that. And you'd have the team meetings, and it would always be a case of all. Oh, don't bowl there to to him because he'll hit you there. You know that, and you go, well, that's where I've got all my wickets bowling there. Or, you know, don't bowl short to him. He's really good on the short ball. And you go, well, okay, but on good on the short ball. You know, he's not faced righty hitting him at ninety miles an hour. He's been pulling X Y Z and stuff like that. And you, I used to look at it a different way to say. Go to your strength. And it's exactly what you said there, Bart. So you, you have to go to your strengths. You know, you have to have a plan A, a B, a C. And if it's a D, you, you grab your hamstring and you walk off. But it's always a case that you have to have that. You have to have plans. You have to have plans. Um, you know, as, as they say, um, a, a rubbish plan is better than no plan. Uh, and I think that it's, it's the case that if you go to your strengths, as you say, you're being true to yourself. You know that you can deliver that skill because it's your strength. Never worry about other people's strengths. Um, you know, sometimes we, we've seen it over the years where, you know, I, I'll sit here still now, even I've, I've retired in 2021, but I still sit here now and watch cricket on the TV. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Like you're giving the batter way too much respect. Yes, it might be a strength of his, but he's not even faced the ball yet and you're sticking a deep point out or you're doing this. You you have to give it a good go because at the end of the day, everyone's human, you know, and they're, they're going to make mistakes and, and 
you know, you always say it's a new day type thing. Um, but I'm a massive believer that you go to your your main your main strength and, and stick to it. And if it doesn't work, then you move on to a different plan. And, and as I said, sometimes if you do get to plan C, D or, or whatever, I'm only joking about the hamstring, <laughs> by the way, but you just treat it as a bad day and you come back the next day and it can be completely different. You do exactly the same stuff and you find yourself with a fourth or a fiver. Well, also, it obviously... Quickly, sorry, quickly on that, um, you said about righty bouncers hitting people in the head. If I remember correctly, I hit right, I hit people in the head more than righty at Warwickshire, for sure. Really? Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you know, make that clear. <laughs> so yeah. Fair, fair. They knew it was coming with me, maybe. I don't know. But um, <laughs> you, know, you, you said all of that stuff, Rick. It obviously did work for you because you're... Your T20 economy rate is 7.55, which is incredible. And especially given the times of the game that you operated, like quite often you'd, you'd just do the whole power play, wouldn't you? Three from one end. Yeah, a lot of the time. Um, again, it was the scenario of, if, if I'm honest with it, it was just bowling championship lengths in T20. I think sometimes people get very carried away with what to bowl and it's like, oh, you know, they're going to line me up. But I've got to change it up. I always used to go on the basis of if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I will wait for them to hit me first. I was very sort of particular with how I had my field. Um, my, my sort of extra cover would come round a lot more, more like, I almost have like two, what are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, I bet he would be straight, wouldn't he? Like your mid-on and mid-off. <laughs> you constantly no, that was my mid-off. <laughs> mid-on and mid-off straight. My extra cover would come round more to a dead-on point. I'd have a backward point and then I'd have someone quite straight at cover. Um, only on the basis that I used to say to myself, that's where I should be getting hit. Anything, if I get hit, just to the left of, say, um, my cover or extra cover, I've, I've got it wrong. And that's what you have to be. You have to sort of take ownership of what you're looking to do. Um, and for me, it was always a case of, you know, if I can get a, a brand new white kookaburra ball that doesn't swing for long, don't get me wrong, but if I can, you know, build some pressure and just run in the bowl a championship length, try and shape it away, um, that's what I, I try to do with the odd sort of back of the hand sort of come into it as well, um, only on the basis of, if the wicket wasn't moving or the ball wasn't swinging or um, someone was trying to line you up and you, you go to that sort of plan B and, and change it up a little bit. But it was always a case of just, uh, again, being boring. And luckily for many times in T20, it worked. It's not going to work every time. Mm -hmm. um, but I always try to uh, come back the, the following game and stuff and, and do it all again if it wasn't quite right. Um, I just wanted to chat to you, Rick, about you when you felt you were at your best, how you emotionally controlled yourself to when you're at your worst and how that affected your bowling. Um, just what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, so for, for, for me, it was always a case of for many, many years, I would always carry the previous delivery into the next delivery. And as I got older, I sort of realised that I can't control anything about that. That that's been and gone. So why why worry about it? Why why be bothered? And and, and similar with all, all of my cricket, really, that you go, you didn't mean to do it. You, you've practiced and, and done the right things. You, you again, as I said earlier on, we're we're not robots. We're you're human beings. We're going to bowl bad balls. And it was a, it was more of an acceptance for me that that is going to be the case. 
early on in my career, I was sort of very fiery and stuff. And the anger would be coming into the next ball. And then what happens? That goes for four and you've gone for two fours in two balls and you're going right and you'd steam in and you try and bowl even quicker and, and again more anger and then that one will go for four um and I think that was the complete sort of different side of me was I looked at it on a on a basis of and if I'm honest actually thinking about it it was probably around about the time when I was in England and I then come out of England and got dropped and then I was sort of maybe in again and it was always that sort of time I was always trying to show people what I could do um rather than saying do you know what what will be will be because i wanted to play for england so much i wanted to continue my international career where when i got a little bit older i was sort of resigned to the fact that that's me i'm done i'm not they're not going to pick me now um just enjoy your county cricket and just do what you need to do and and that was always the, the case for me it was it, it allowed me to become probably a more consistent cricketer because i was just focusing on what I needed to do on that day and not what was ahead and what I wanted to be ahead. It was a case of if it happens, it happens. Um, but yeah, I think bowling, you have to control your emotions um, in so many different ways and also understand what your emotions are. If you're, a, if you're a person that needs to get fired up, do it because if that makes you a better bowler, you you got to crack on with that. But if you're someone who needs to stay controlled and, and stuff, then stay controlled and, and focus on the next delivery. This is, this is awesome, Rick. This is awesome. Um, I'm loving everything you've got to say. And it's so, it's so valuable. Um, what, what one bit of advice would you give to a, you know, a young Ricky Clark between the age of 16, 20, a young Ricky Clark. Well, well, maybe not such a loose cannon, just a young bowler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and look from my point of view I've, I've said it already um it is all about working hard i think i relied too much on natural ability and talent um and that was a case of actually i needed to work harder and i think i, I look at some players now batting bowling or whatever but um i look at the maturity levels of some of the players now you look at your Ollie Popes and your um, Will Jacks and people like that. Um, they work hard. They work hard in their game. They're very mature. Um, and I think it's a case of, for me, it would be working out a plan of how I go about my cricket from a young age. Um, but again, as I said, I, I, I honestly believe that's where I think coaching is so important that you have the right coaches um, that you trust. Um, and we had that with Pop Welsh, um, that you we trusted what he was saying was right. And that that is so valuable because you've built up that relationship. You know that that coach has only got the best for you. Um, so I'd look at it and say, you know, work out a plan of how you want to go about it. Work hard, work hard. And also always come to every session. You know, I, I'd say to the, the the pupils now and, and stuff at school that come to every session and make sure that you leave this sports hall or net session or center wicket or whatever it is one percent better 
come with a come with a purpose and you leave one percent better because if you do that every session it's not going to happen all the time but if you can try and be one percent better in whatever it is during the course of the summer you're going to be 10 20 25 a better cricketer um and that, that, that's what you need it's all about developing and improving just one more question sorry one more question um you just said about coaches um how they could play a key part what would you look for in a coach to get the best out of a cricketer or what would you be doing yourself coaching to get the best out of any young cricketer see see for me it's, it's building that relationship i think um it, it's understanding that what you're saying is right for the cricketer i'm a the, well, if i'm honest the way i coach is probably completely different to what's in the manual okay because I look at it and go, unless there's going to be an injury, particularly with bowling, unless there's going to be an injury, everyone is different. So I believe there's so many coaches out there that try and mould and have every single person bowling exactly the same, but they're different. So unless I, I see potential for injury, I sort of tinker and fine-tune stuff with with players and pupils. Um, and then, as I said, we, we work on, on the skill element side of it of, away swing, less now and out down, less cover all different skill bases as much as we can. But fundamentally it is the 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 line and length is is focus for us at, at school particularly. Can you bash a line and length? And then we have a bit of sort of fun with it because you know again they have to be able to try new things to see if there's a, a sort of hidden talent with a delivery they've never tried before. Um, and also that gives confidence as well if they try and need different things. So we always have, we always have different sessions at school where they're, they're trying new things and it'd be for Yorkers, slow balls, bouncers. We, we make sure we cover all that basis. Um, but I'm, I'm, I sometimes see too many coaches say stuff for the sake of saying stuff. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, you don't need to say anything. It's all about, It's all a case of... Are they getting the ball in the right area? Are they quite con consistent for their age? Again, you have to look at the, the different sort of ages and, and the levels they're at. Um, but I, I think some so much hype is around, as you've alluded to, pace, um, a certain action. Should you have a, a brace front leg or a bent front leg or this sort of stuff? There's so much hype around it. Um, I just go with what feels comfortable for the boys and girls and then you just work it from there. Because, again, you know, I'll go back to Jimmy Anderson. He got changed when he was younger. He bowled absolutely rapid, but he didn't look at the wicket. He had a, a sort of sprawl front leg, uh, uh, sprawl front foot a little bit. And um, he went and, and changed, and he got a double stress stressy at the back. So you think... <laughs> you well, okay. me laugh there. When you what? say he had a sprawled front leg. <laughs> sprawled. <laughs> you know sprayed. Played. Sprayed, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, yeah. So yeah, the, the the sprayed front front foot is that better? There we go. <laughs> yeah, that, so Jimmy, you know what you, you said there with coaching? It's hard sometimes just keeping quiet. Yeah, isn't it? It's not easy just to let a player get on with it, and you've got all this stuff you want to say in your head, and you just have to sometimes be like, "Yeah, but nice." I, I think that's the strength of a coach, though, to understand that they're comfortable within the job that they're in or the setup they're in or whatever it is to say, actually, I don't need to get involved here. Because I think sometimes they, coaches sometimes will look at it and go, well, if I don't say anything, people think I'm not very good. So, you know, sometimes a good coach doesn't have to say anything. I'm just going to sit back. You're doing perfectly fine. 
Okay, let's keep working it. I have a little say here and there, a little say here and there, but I'm not going to go in, well, this needs to happen in your front arm. That's got to be that. Make sure you drive through. Let's get the cones out or do this or let's get to... If, if it's not needed, you know, sometimes, it, you know, the way I... Obviously, a different stage in my career and I was a different age, but, you know, Pop Welsh didn't get loads of cones out and this and that and got me doing this. He just said, that's your action. Now just hit that more consistently and we'll work out a way of you hitting that more consistently. And the only thing that really sort of changed for me a little bit was my front arm. I just didn't use my front arm enough. So I, I, so I say to the pupils now, it's a, it's a strange sort of thing to say, but you don't actually bowl with your dominant arm. You bowl with your front arm, your lead arm. And for me, I was always bowling my best when this did the work. If this got lazy, it would be a bad delivery. If this did what I needed it to do, it naturally helps you get swing on the ball. It naturally helps you get in a high position with your wrist behind the ball. It naturally helps you follow through straight as well because it's doing all the work for you. I, this has been an amazing interview, Rick. You've been a brilliant. <laughs> no, to be honest, no, you have. You've been a brilliant guest. I think Keith and I have loved chatting with you. It's been like being in a changing room with you again. Um, <laughs> Without the tantrums. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Without worrying about the spray we'd get if we're not being straight enough or whatever. Um, no, but in all seriousness, thanks so much for your time, mate. We really appreciate it. And um, for anyone listening, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of value in there. Um, you mentioned a couple of times you're coaching at a school. Where where can people find you online and stuff? Yeah, so um, I'm the head of cricket at King Edward's Whitley. Um, it's just on the outskirts of Godalming in, in Surrey. Um, yeah, and fantastic. It's been that a real good transition for me um, going into sort of teaching um, and covering all sports, really. Um, but... Yeah, we've um, just started our winter nets. So lots of late nights. We we have the boys and girls in from 6.30 till 9 o'clock on a Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and then I run my academy on a Monday night. Um, and then one-to-ones on a Wednesday night. So um, lots of late nights uh, leading up to the, the, the pre-season. But again, it's, for me, it's a, a love that I have that I want to see the boys and girls flourish and, and give them that opportunity to get better um and um absolutely loving it and ready for the the season and lots of good fixtures who'd have thought eh, the enforcer becoming a school teacher (laughs) i don't give out many detentions either i'm pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) and the biscuits again absolutely nailed in the staff room so i need to find a gym soon (laughs) i bet rick i want to say mate it's been great having you on i am absolutely loved it and definitely need to have you back on again anytime lads and you know that um thank you for inviting me on and and really enjoyed it great well look if you if you enjoyed it like follow subscribe and all those things and we're on youtube as well so um you can find us on there but for now uh we will we'll leave everyone to it take it easy see See ya see ya lads thank you